It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight I'm showcasing three food producers who received awards at this year's Blossnairn Irish Food Awards. Before I tell you who we're going to talk to this evening, I want to send my congratulations to the producers who joined me on the programme at the end of September. Clodagh Davis from Naturally Cordial in Wexford, Susan McLaughlin from Love A Little in Donegal, and John Rogan from Rogan Smokehouse in Westmeath were all recipients of awards, so well done to them. And also, huge congratulations to the Mustard Seed in Ballangarry on being named as the best hotel in Ireland by the Good Hotel Guide and Adair Manor, who was voted as best resort in the world by Condé Nast Traveller. And tonight's award-winning producers start in County Kerry when we head off to meet Zanetta from Rustic Bua. Then it's off to Cork to talk to Claire Keane, 2nd Street Bake Shop in Cork, who won a trio of awards this year, including the Bank of Ireland Best Startup. And of course, we couldn't not talk to this year's Blossnairn Supreme Champion. So we'll hear from Bart from Aram Bakery and Bistro in Kilkenny, who spelt Sardo Bread won the ultimate accolade this year. But before we hear from our guests, a reminder that you can make contact with me by emailing me s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So our first guest this evening is based in Kerry. Zanetta, her husband, her sister and her sister's husband all came together to found Rustic Bua. I called to their cafe in Tralee last week for a chat. So let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Jeanetta, congratulations on your Blossnairn win. Tell everybody what you won the gold for this year. Thank you so much. Um, we won the gold this year for um, Sweet Boa. So it actually, the name comes from the name of the company. We're called Rustic Boa. And Sweet Boa, it's a traditional Polish pastry. We call it in Poland Drozdówka. We obviously didn't want to call it like this here because no one would be able to pronounce it. So we came up with the name Sweet Boa. Boa, the writing is in English, but when you pronounce it, it sounds like a Polish word, sweet bone, basically. And you're from Poland originally. Tell me when you came to Ireland. Okay, so yes, we're from Poland. We came to Ireland um, 17 years ago. Um, that would be me and my husband. Then my sister and her husband joined us five years ago. And you're all in the business together, but you were doing, you were working at a completely different job before you, you opened the, the cafe. Yes, all of us. Now, having said that, my husband is a um, fully qualified baker from Poland, um, but when we came to Ireland for the 16 years, he worked as a plasterer, so different type of flower. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, yes, my sister is qualified uh, accountant, um, so yes, a few years ago we decided to do something with baking and cooking. And it's always great to have that mix 
of skill sets in a business very handy to have an accountant there on hand absolutely and Pavel my sister's husband um, he always had a big thing about photography so this is a huge help you know that he can do all the pictures take the photos of the food and he really loves it enjoys that so the setup in the cafe is really beautiful you have a lovely blackboard there and it talks about your granny's recipes so can you remember growing up in Poland and being in the kitchen with your grandmother oh absolutely I remember her um, baking breads and I remember this thing, a big, huge tray, and it was like two or three of them. She was baking bread once a week, and it was the best smell you could ever get. Our idea when we were opening the business is it was to give customers exactly what we eat at home. We always aimed to have everything 100% natural and using mostly organic ingredients. So that's what we wanted to give to customers. So even making our own mayonnaise or making vegetable paste for our soups, it's always made by us and 100% natural. And the same breads. And it's a big thing because these days breads from supermarkets are not the way they should be. And we lost the knowledge for some reason. It's easy just to go to a shop, grab a ready-made food or bread without knowing what's actually inside. So for us, it's a very hard process because to bake proper bread, it takes 48 hours. So that's what we wanted to give to our customers, good and the best quality um, food. And is it all vegan, all vegetarian? Yes, we wanted to go and do just vegetarian and vegan but vegan natural because vegan can be tricky as well um, so we're skipping those ingredients that could contain other additives so we just make sure everything is 100% natural but we very often get a question for example are all your breads vegan in general breads would be vegan would be dairy free there are some sorts of breads that they contain let's say butter eggs or milk but in general bread would be a, a vegan food and in terms then of the menu you have sweet and savory items there just give us a, a flavor of the the savory items that you do so we make um we make focaccia and uh, for the focaccia we use olive oil that we bring actually from our best friends from crete so we know where it comes from we know how it was harvested and made. Um, also, for the focaccia, we use Kalamata olives that would be coming from them as well. Another pro uh, produce that would be savory is um, quiches, and that's a very popular thing in our shop. So we make all different varieties of quiches and tarts, and that would be one of the best ones. All sounds delicious. Thank you so much. Why did you all decide that this was something that you wanted to do? We started um, with a table and gazebo. Um, that would be nearly two years ago um, in a little village called Spa um, in County Kerry. And because the demand was very, very big, we were um, going there every Saturday and the business was doing very, very well. We decided to move under roof because the weather didn't allow us to. Was, was that during COVID that you started yes. out at the markets? Yes, yeah, it started during COVID. And 
I have to say it was beautiful thing because it wasn't only about the food. Now people were delighted we came to them with the food and they didn't have to travel. But also what we saw happening there, people could see each other, people could meet even outside, but it was a social thing as well. So yeah. So then when did you decide to make the leap from a market stall to bricks and mortar? Um, the following year, um, in July, we started with uh, a food trailer in Bana Beach, and that was doing very, very well, but because obviously of the weather changing and getting worse during the um, autumn and winter time, we either were going to finish with it for the winter time or do another step, and that was the whole idea. Um, we started preparation in September last year, and we opened on 9th of December 2021. Wow. And when did you hear about the Blossom Erin Awards and why did you decide to enter them? That was just by a pure coincidence that we found out that this thing is happening. Um, obviously, we did see around those stickers. You start digging around. But I, that was one of the customers who came to us and said, you have to try so we tried <laughs> and you were very nervous when I met you in Dingle and you had your stall set up there with your lovely pastries there and I, I was privileged to taste one of them oh. and I can remember seeing you coming out of the showcase marquee where the awards were being announced and I was delighted to see you walking past with the, the Dingle Crystal and, and winning an award I was really thrilled for you tell me about that moment in the showcase marquee when Rustic Boo's name was called out. I hope nobody recorded me, okay? <laughs> because I was crying, I was, I was jumping, I was screaming, I was behaving like a baby. Do you know, it's, it was the best feeling I could ever get, honestly. Um, for us, it was a huge achievement. We only started recently. Number two, for me personally, two things. Um, number one, I was just there by myself. Everyone else, my sister, my husband, and my sister's husband, they were still involved here in, uh, in baking. Um, and number two, it's my husband who bakes the, the boa. So it was a personal achievement as well. Yeah, I, I was delighted for you now, absolutely thrilled for you. And did you have a good weekend then selling your wares yeah. in Dingle? There was a good response. Yeah, and the atmosphere and Dingle is very specific. Um, it has the spirit, it has the food climate. It's just unbelievable. Um, and for some reason you get customers with the same way of thinking over there. So it was a great experience and also amazing experience to meet other producers because um, the power from them, the, the attitude the, you know, about food, it was unbelievable. So what's next for Rustic Boo? Now, what, where do you see the business going? Are you hoping to expand, open other outlets? Have you sat down with your husband and your sister and her husband to discuss, okay, what's the next step? No. After the <laughs> Dingle Festival, we haven't sat down yet. No, I haven't really been talking to my husband for the last couple of days because he does the nights. So he comes back home at about five o'clock in the morning 
and gets up at about 12, 1 o'clock and I'm busy doing my own thing. Yeah, so we haven't. But yes, we are expanding a little bit the shop and the coffee, uh, coffee shop itself. Um, we're gonna make a bigger bakery, bigger kitchen because there is a huge demand for it, you know, and our shop is only tiny little space. So yes, this is happening over next couple of months. But yeah, it would be great actually to have another little shops around and bring the, the food to, to people from different places because we get customers from coming to us from far away. They travel from Dingle, from Killarney, from Kenmare. We get customers from Galway, Limerick, um, even Dublin. And how do you think they've heard about you? Is it through your socials? Oh, this is so funny because sometimes we get customers coming to us um, that their daughter who lives in Australia or their son who lives in New, New York, for example, they told them about us. So it's we get so many funny stories. The power of social yeah. media should never be underestimated. Oh, it's huge. It's huge and absolutely big. Um, whatever we picture in the morning and put on Instagram, customers come with their phones. I want this. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, listen, if any producer out there is listening, maybe a small startup business, what advice would you give to them about Bloss Aaron? For definite, it's a great atmosphere. Okay. Initially, I thought it was a very VIP event. No, it's so natural. People are, look, I even meeting you over there and other people. Everyone was so nice, so natural, so normal. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to spread the word about the company and being awarded, it's absolutely amazing feeling. So yeah, just go for it. Well, listen, congratulations again on your award, continued success. And I must say, I'm sure all of your grandmothers are looking down, beaming with pride and absolutely delighted for you. Yeah, and I think every grandmother is delighted for their grandchildren if they do, if they go back to their roots. And that was the whole idea about our business, going back to the roots, um, just using natural ingredients because there is a big lack of this these days, so. And if anybody wants to find you on social media, you're mainly on Instagram, Facebook? Yes, at the moment we're on Facebook and Instagram. So you can search for Rustic Boa and you're gonna find us on Instagram and Facebook. Brilliant, listen, thanks again. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you today. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, I was in Rustic Bua in Tralee talking to Zanetta about her success at this year's Blosnerin Awards. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we're going to hear all about this year's Supreme Champion, a spelt sardo bread made in Kilkenny at Aran Bakery and Bistro. But next up, it's off to Cork to hear from this year's Bank of Ireland Best Startup winner, Claire Keane from Second Street Bake Shop. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Claire, congratulations on your trio of awards at this year's Blossnair and Irish Food Awards. You got a gold for your sea salt toffee brittle milk chocolate. You got a gold for your vegan non-dairy mint toffee brittle. And you got the best startup award by Bank of Ireland. So what we're going to talk about now is your journey into the food business because you didn't start life let's say with that vision or that ambition you actually studied arts at UCC and then you went to UCD was it to do environmental science yeah that's correct yeah my passion was about saving the environment and everything green and I did geography at UCC and then went to UCD did environmental science Worked a little bit here um, in Fingal County Council and then I had, was lucky enough to get a green card in the late 90s and emigrated to San Francisco, worked over there for a while and a few years in I got disillusioned by the whole environmental movement and I thought people aren't really taking this seriously and I lacked a creative outlet and that's what led me into the kitchen. But to back up I would also say I've always been in the kitchen with my mother stirring the pot making sweet stuff candies toffees since I was a kid and my first book that I got as a child was coincidentally a cookbook I was six years of age it was a candy making cookbook and I just plowed my way through that for uh, several years and then when I was about 15 I was in secondary school here in Cork and I started making caramel squares and selling them to my classmates because I needed to raise funds for my airfare to go to the States to visit my sister. And so candy and the States and over and back was always kind of intertwining all along, but I never took too, too much uh, attention of it. I just thought, yeah, that's, that's a means to an end, but I really want to go this environmental path. And um, long story short, it brought me back into the kitchen. And the Second Street Bakehouse, your business in Cork, it's not your first foray into that world of food because your first food business you started over in San Francisco. That's correct. So I um, I had decided I wanted a big career change, went back into the kitchen while I was in San Francisco and I started making the caramel squares I had sold to my classmates in secondary school. And I was thinking, you know, I really just want to start a business. That's what I want to do next. I had this hankering since I was a young kid. And I had made these caramel squares one Sunday. I shared them with a bunch of people. And they said, that's your business. You have to sell these here. Nobody else is doing it. So it took a while. It took a while for me to accept, okay, I'm really switching gears. I'm going from my actual consulting career into a cookie career. And it took me a while to take it seriously. I took some classes and then joined a really well-known food incubator in San Francisco. It's for immigrant food female entrepreneurs. It's a great organization called La Cucina. And I incubated the business there for a few years. And slowly but surely, it took off and it grew. And people loved the product because it was something so different. The buttery shortbread was different. The caramel, initially, people thought it was a layer of peanut butter. So getting the product into people's mouths was critical. But once I did, they sold, they bought the product and they bought it on repeat. And um, it was just a great experience overall. 
in the north we would be um great lovers of tray bags as, as we would call them and I would have grown up with 15s and caramel squares were definitely my favorite tray bag and whenever I used to, to work for a Northern Ireland company down here, anytime I went down to the office in Cork, there was one of the guys always made sure there was caramel squares in, in the kitchen for me. I just love them. You, yeah. But I think a lot of people here call them millionaire shortbread. That's right, yeah. Millionaire shortbread, millionaire squares. Um, God, there was so many names at the end of the day. And then I called them Claire Squares because people said, can I have another square, Claire? Can I have a Claire Square? And I thought, okay, I'll go with that name. It's name, it's unique, it's different. Um, and it, it stuck. So, uh, it, and people in the States weren't as familiar with them as they are here. So it, it, it worked. And it actually made its way into a very well-known ice cream. Hagendas, yeah, that was... Um, Oh, it was just dreams coming true. Um, the Haganas put this feeler out to find artisans throughout the state. And so they whittled us down to, I think, 60 people. And then they got us all in the room when they whittled us down further to maybe 20 artisans. And we all kind of had to compete on the basis of what flavor profile would, would work best in their ice cream. So we got to create which flavor would work with what. And in the end, it was the flapjacks. Um, the way I explained them over there, they're caramelized oat bars because flapjacks in the States are pancakes. So you have to be really careful how you name things. But we created, we co-created a delicious caramelly, kind of like a dulce de leche ice cream base with nuggets of caramelized oat in rotten chocolate sprinkled throughout the ice cream and it was phenomenal it tasted awesome and it was on the shelves nationwide for a year and it was completely dreams come true well it sounds like it was hugely successful the business in the u.s so what made you decide to come back home to cork you know, I had only ever intended going to the States for a year, maybe two years to get work experience. It was never the big shift. Um, and so I was there 20 years in total. And I always knew I have to make this move to come home. And the business, I had taken it as far as I could with my bandwidth. I knew it needed to go on to the next set of hands. So after year 10 with the business, I thought, okay, I need to start looking to sell this and move on. And after 13 years, I sold it, moved back in 2019. And I think I, I actually stayed a lot longer than I, than I anticipated, but it was a beautiful journey. Glad I did it. And then I came back in 2019, planning to take a year out, um, just decompress and take some, do some classes and learning things that I'd always put on the long finger. And I was midway through that when the pandemic hit. And then that kind of rolled on for a bit. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I actually going to do? Like, I don't have a plan for Ireland. I just I was going to kind of feel my way into it and then maybe go traveling after a while. And that was all kiboshed. So I found myself rescuing myself by going back into the kitchen, creating and making. And I feel good again because being locked up wasn't doing me any good either as everybody else felt the same thing. So um, during this time, I started making these care packages for my cousins and I made cookies, some candies, um, some tray bakes. And I'd send these packages out, but at the back of my head, I thought, I'm gonna ask everyone what they like best and why. 
and there was a theme running throughout. They all liked the toffee brittle. And I thought, you know, I think I'm onto something here. Nobody's really doing toffee brittle in a big way. There's a gap in the market. And instead of doing cookies, because there's plenty of people doing cookies really well, I don't need to add to that. And that's where Second Street Bake Shop came out of with the idea of just focusing on toffee brittle. And tell me, before we before I ask you a bit more about the product, tell me how you came up with the name. Yeah, the name was an interesting story because most of the domain names that I wanted were gone and I didn't want my personal name attached to it like I had with Claire Squares and I wanted something kind of unusual. So my cousins in Mayo were doing a, a challenge, trying to figure out names and come up with different options and... One of the names they came up with was Second Street, and I had wanted Bake Shop in it. And uh, my cousin was saying, well, Second Street is second to Main Street in popularity. Main Street is a very memorable um, and popular name. And so Second Street being just right behind that, I thought, okay, that, that'll work. It's memorable, it's catchy, and it's different. That's where it came from. And it's the reason that you didn't want your own name attached to it because ideally you'd like to sell this company on, build it up and sell it on in the future. Not, it wouldn't particularly be the reason, but I felt very constrained adding my name to Claire Squares and it took a while for people to understand, okay, their squares made by Claire, but Second Street is, okay, Second Street. And it's also my second time around doing it kind of makes sense, bringing the whole circle together. Well, let's talk a bit about the brittle because for somebody that maybe hasn't come across brittle before, it actually is very thin, wafery chocolate. That's correct. Yeah, it's a very tactile thing. And I saw a lot of it in the States, big slabs of toffee brittle that you coat top and bottom in chocolate. And so our twist on the, this is we take beautiful Irish butter and make big long slabs of buttery toffee you can smell the butter out of it and then we coat that top and bottom in smooth velvety belgian chocolate and then we sprinkle on fresh irish sea salt for the milk chocolate and the dark chocolate uh, toffee brittle and then for the vegan non-dairy mint we add some mint flavoring we keep the ingredients really simple understandable um, something i would want to consume myself i don't want any bad additives or nasties in there and um, then we take those big slabs, crack them up into pieces. Every piece is different and unique, like a snowflake. And then we pack them in a clear or the new bags came in a stand-up pouch, which you can see through a little window. And I'd say the packaging is very important because it is such a delicate product. Yeah, it's got to be airtight and the chocolate can't smear or smudge. And yeah, you have to be very careful packaging it and boxing it up so that's a whole other challenge unto itself well you came up with the idea the name for the business you have the product so what was the next step for you to get it out there to the consumer i was still a little bit concerned with would this resonate with the population here um of course it's sweet sugary a bit of salt and that lovely chocolatey flavor but would the price point work would the packaging work so I said, I'll give it six months, I'll launch it in September 2021 and work with Neighbor Food and their markets. You can really get good feedback through their analytics and one-on-one -on -one talking with customers and the hubs. 
And I did that for six months and it really gave me confidence that I can go forward and get this into retail. So then in the spring, I, I was also doing the Acorns program and that group mentorship and with other like-minded women, a lot of them in the food industry, um, we uh, were great support for each other. That, that finished in April and I was ready to go into retail, but I had a little bit of a, a setback in that my dad also got diagnosed with terminal illness in the first week in May. And so my whole plan to head into retail with the product was paused and he just passed away literally two and a half weeks ago. Um, so I'm now bringing the business back from the pause and what beautiful way then to go down to Dingle and celebrate with everyone else and to get it back going and start all over again. Well, deepest condolences on the, the passing of your father, Claire. I know that that Thank can you. certainly impact and especially whenever you're, you have your own business, it, it really does have an effect on you and how that that's run but as you say now going to Dingle and having all that success at Dingle must have been a great boost to you it was and I, I just felt like my father was with me and a lot of people actually said that um yeah it was it was a nice finish to a really long summer and um you know watching somebody die isn't easy but to really shift gears and put on a different set of clothes and a different headset and just say, okay, I'm ready to go again. And this is a very comfortable nurturing environment. Um, the crew at Bloss are just so kind and warm and welcoming. It's just a beautiful place to restart and reboot and feel the energy and the workshops. I got to go into a few, um, they were fantastic. And then just being around the buzz and Dingle itself, it's such a beautiful place. Absolutely love it. And I can't wait to go back again next year. So it sounds like you will definitely enter the awards again next year and you'd recommend any new startup business to enter them as well. Absolutely. It's a very supportive environment. Um, it's a great place to just get noticed. And it was my first time entering, first time attending. I would have nothing negative to say. It was just fantastic all around. Um, I, 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 I went with my sister and my cousin and we said, all right, next year we're booking a house and we're going to have a party and we're going to do like a four or five day weekend here. It's just, I can't say more good stuff for us. We, we were blown away. We were really, really happy. Well, it's, it's always great to hear that positive feedback about the awards because it's not just about entering and getting the glass. There's so much more that you can get out of those few days down in Dingle. For Second Street Beckhouse, what's next now? Where do you hope to see the business going in the next 12 months? Yeah, so for right now, get through Christmas and then after that, really go for retail. Um I'm starting slowly. Um, I since I'm restarting the business, need to hire up, get some equipment, and really, 2023 is about getting on the shelf, retail ready, get out there, get the brand name known, and just start infiltrating, getting into a lot of independent and niche grocery stores, and then just grow it and see see where it goes, see where it takes me. So at the moment, the product is available through Neighborhood, and you have an online shop. Yeah, secondstreetbakeshop.com. And we're just starting to get into a few retail local units here on the pig's back and um, coming soon to the Fumbly as soon as I get that box out to the post office this week. 
And if, um, right, oh, and also at Morton's in um, Ranala, um, a bunch of little independent stores like that and gradually getting to more. Fantastic. Well, listen, Claire, lovely to talk to you and continued success. Thank you very much, Sharon. And thank you for all the support you give Bloss and the winners. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight we've been talking to producers who received awards at this year's Blossmeron Irish Food Awards. Just before the break, Claire from Second Street Beck Shop in Cork joined us to tell us about her award-winning brittles. And earlier on in the programme, I was interly talking to Zanetta at Rustic Buwa. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed all of that, you can catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to in SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, our final guest this evening spoke to me this morning after a very long night of baking. Bart from Aram Bistro and Bakery in Kilkenny makes a spelt sourdough bread that won the Supreme Champion Award at this year's Blossmeron. Let's have a listen to our chat this morning. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Bart, congratulations on being the recipient of the Supreme Champion Award at this year's Blossmeron Irish Food Awards. Just tell everybody what product you make that won that accolade this year. Well, we... We do bread. We make bread. To be specific, our spelt bread with sesame seeds on top. And it's sourdough. And that's what won the Supreme Champion. <laughs> so it's a spelt sourdough bread. And there's something very special about this bread because obviously winning that accolade means that it is the best product in Ireland um, for this year. And you're very particular about the ingredients that you use in making the bread and where you source them from? We source our spelt, uh, all of our grains in general, but our spelt is sourced locally and it's it's grown by Will Gavitt and then it's milled by Rob in Kells Whole Meals, uh, Rob Moss, and uh, then we get it. So everything, the field, the mill and the bakery are within 20 minutes of each other. Uh, from the very beginning, we, we use uh, local grains and we're lucky enough to have Kells next to us. It's for better and for worse. Sometimes the year is bad and, and, and you need to mix in some other flowers. Sometimes the year is good, like last year, and you don't have to. So we work with the seasons. We work with the with the farmers and the millers. Uh, we check the quality and then we adjust. Let's talk about your journey into this business. You're from Poland originally, I believe. Yes. And your your other half is from the Philippines. Yeah. So tell me how you came together to open up Aaron Bakery and Bistro. A long journey. <laughs> 17, 18 years in the making. I moved to Ireland when I was 17 with, with the wave in 2004, 2005, you know, the Polish wave. And I was just a, a teenager. My sister was uh, was already here. And I just came to visit her, you know, for the summer. Started working. Um, I had to go back to finish high school uh, back home. 
And then after high school, I, I moved to Ireland and by accident started working in kitchens. And that led to, because I'm an interior designer by, 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 by design. Uh, and, and that led to, to bread and butchery and Denmark. So me and my wife met in Denmark and she's a chef as well. She's a pastry chef or she used to be a pastry chef. Now she's a savory chef. I kind of convinced her to go for our honeymoon to Ireland. You were working together in a very well-known restaurant in Denmark. Yeah, we, we, we met in Noma, yeah, but we worked in a lot of good places in Denmark. That's that's only one of them. <laughs> I lived in Denmark for six years. Uh, she lived in Denmark for five, I think. And uh, and then, yeah, we, we when we got married, uh, we decided that we want to open um, a restaurant or something. We didn't know what it is. And uh, I said, hey, listen, uh, let's let's check out Ireland. So for a honeymoon, we came down and um, she wasn't in love in, with Dublin, I must say. We we went all around, you know, because I lived in Kilkenny she, and she liked Kilkenny the most. We settled in Kilkenny. What helped to settle in Denmark as well for her was uh, Food on the Edge. And back then it was still in Galway. Uh, we met JP Back then, there was a beautiful food on the edge. When the first time we went for food on the edge, uh, and we made a lot of good connections. And and Nicole found out that Irish produce is just insane, especially cheese and meat uh, are are the very very top and best. And so it's easy to be a chef if the produce is good, you know. Well, it definitely helps, I think, um, but you still have to add a bit of je ne sais quoi to it, which you and Nicole are definitely both doing. So you started off with the bakery and I, I heard you telling the story about how the name of the bakery came about. Just remind everybody about the role that your, was it your niece or your nephew played in com coming up with the name? So, so everybody's sitting in a room and we were supposed to be called Black Abbey Bakers because it was next to Black Abbey Abbey. Uh, but that, that didn't fall through. Uh, so we have this new premises and uh, we're all sitting and thinking. And my my niece or all of my sister's kids are born here. They, 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 they go to school here. So we're sitting there thinking and she comes down and, and she's just like, hey, what you guys doing? And my sister says, oh, we're thinking about the name for Uncle's Bakery. She just stands there for a second and like, why don't you call it a Ron? It's bread in Irish. And she leaves the room, you know, walks away. And uh, everybody looks at each other for the longest time and everybody gets Google Translate, translates the the sentence or the, the word. And uh, that's how a Ron came to be. That's that's why we're called, how we're called. So very much a family business from the people that work in it to the people that came up with the name for it. Yeah. And now you have the bistro as well. Tell us about the bistro and the menu and the types of dishes on it. So we were never supposed to have the bakery. So we opened our original premises and we were we were thinking how to not do fine dining and design a universal menu that everybody can enjoy. So trying to use the best ingredients and the best techniques that we learned over the years but how to universally sell it, you know, how to present it, sell it for everyday regular people in an affordable way. And we settled for bread because everybody likes sandwiches. Everybody likes toasted bread. Bread is a brilliant vessel for any dish. 
you can put a, a chicken fillet or you can put a steak or you can put a fish or you can put vegetables. You know, it, it's just a universal vessel that everybody likes or almost who doesn't like bread. And we had some experience making sourdough. Actually, Nicole was much better at doing sourdough than me, but I just caught up. I'm a better butcher than I am a baker. Uh, I just caught up really fast. So it was a cafe that had a bread oven inside. And we primarily baked bread for service for us to make the dishes from. That was the main goal. And then if we can sell a couple of loaves on the side, then that's that will be super. Uh, but then COVID came and the whole business plan changed and business model changed. And now there's a bakery on the other side of the road and everything is crazy. <laughs> so if we go back then to the Blossnair and Irish Food Awards, why did you decide to enter your bread into the awards? To be honest, I didn't know about Blastanaher. One of my first bakers that worked for me, Owen, told me about it, but and then I just forgot. And I found out, I think, from one of the members of Real Bread Island. We were at a gathering, and I think the main base of that gathering was the wooden pig down in Meath. And then we were going around fields, talking to farmers, uh, checking out grain, and just that, like uh, Real Bread Island is is a group that that uh, gathers bakers and growers, uh, brewers as well now, and it's it's actually started here in Kilkenny and and Highbank Orchard. I think the first meeting of Real Bread Island. So yeah, so they do meetings every now and again. And uh, on one of these meetings, somebody told me about the Blas Awards. And last year we won five awards. So we won gold for bread and bronze for bread and, and gold for pastries and best in Kilkenny and something else. So it was already a massive achievement. So we decided to go in this year as well. We did the same thing this year. Plus we won best in Leinster and, and, and the Supreme champion, which is a total shock because we went and we're, you know, being a chef, we're competitive people and it's, it's not even, you know, we know that our bread is good, but we would just like to show our guests and our customers that what we do and why we waste away our lives in, in baking at night and working so hard. Uh, just like a, a, a measurement, a proof, you know, and an award is a proof like that, you know, especially the, the highest one. Uh, that 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 you can get, so I think that's why we did it to just solidify that we're doing something, we're working really hard to do something really really good, and we want to assure people that it's the best that we can do it. Yeah, the the the, the main award was a shock. Really, this year we weren't expecting much. Like uh, you know, usually if you have one really good year and then maybe the next year is not so good, but uh, we smashed it. And I'm very proud of uh, of my beautiful team of Baker's Assassins. <laughs> and rightly so. You, you should, of course, be very proud. And what has the response been since you got the award? I mean, we're busy. The shop is busier. Basically, the only way you can get our bread, like, and this is wonderful. This is, this is what's so wonderful about Blas, because if a lot of big players participate, but also a lot of small players. And you can only get our bread in Kilkenny in this one shop right now. We don't have the money to scale up and uh, we don't know if we want to scale up yet. Or maybe just a little bit. 
because the shop and the bakery are very small. But uh, yeah, the the shop itself has been has been way busier. You know, like there was, there was a lot of articles and and even I'm talking to you now. You know, there's a lot of recognition and then uh, articles and and media attention uh, uh, around us right now. So hopefully we'll use that in our advantage and and maybe we'll find uh somebody that we can go into partnership or or somebody that's more interested uh in scaling bread we'll see we're not really sure what we want to do with this success yet uh so the the door is open we just need to think about what we want to do now (laughs) if there's any small producer listening now that's considering entering the blossom awards next year what advice would you give to them enter my advice is to enter because a lot of people has wonderful products and make wonderful stuff. You know, it's not expensive and you can win, you can get recognized and hopefully, you know, scaling bread and, and bread is a very, you know, the shelf life of bread is, is of, of bread. Like we do is maximum today. So it's, it's hard to, to get it out to, for example, to super values nationwide. But if somebody is producing cheese, if somebody is producing bacon, if somebody is producing jam, if somebody is producing custard, you know, or or dried cereals, you know, flour, all of these products have a a, a bit longer shelf life, so it's easier to to scale it and to to send it around to shops. Uh, I witnessed this year how. Uh, shops like Super Value, Dunn Stores, Little, they look, they're, they're there. They're, they're, the scout people from those shops are there on the awards. And as soon as they see somebody that they that won and they don't have yet in their repertoire on the shop shelf, they will find them and they will talk to them and they will sign contracts with them or, or sign deals with them and uh, ship their products all around Ireland. You know, so it it is beautiful. It it does open doors. It gives you an assurance that what you're doing is being recognized and what you're doing is right. Because very often people just do something and they don't believe in themselves, even though their product is beautiful and 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 excellent. And then it gives you that opportunity to expose yourself to to bigger players and uh, maybe get a deal out of it, or definitely get a deal out of it. Great advice, Bart. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your story. And we wish you all the success that you deserve in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Aron is based in Kilkenny and it's on Barrack Street, Unit 8 and Unit 14 Barrack Street. And we're open from uh, Wednesday to Sunday, the deli and the bakery and also the restaurant. And we just launched our evening menu. Until now, it was brunch mainly. And we weren't open for evenings, but now we opened with a whole new dinner menu. And also it's five days a week. So hopefully we're trying to get that off the ground and hopefully that will get some traction. But uh, www.aronkilkenny.ie, Instagram, aronkilkenny. If you want to find us uh, or if you want to text us on Instagram and ask a particular question about something, we're very open. Please hit us up. Fantastic. Well, listen, I look forward to visiting some stage in the future. I'm looking forward to having you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm.
congratulations to all of this year's Blossnerum winners. If you'd like to get details of the winners, log on to irishfoodawards.com and you'll find everything there. And that brings us to the end of the programme this evening. But before we finish up, a shout out to Food in the Age that is taking place next week on Monday and Tuesday at Airfield in Dublin. You heard Bart mention them in his interview and Symposium Director JP McMahon has lined up an incredible programme of speakers who will consider the twin themes of disruption and regeneration. Ticket information and speaker details are all online on the website foodintheedge.ie. Thanks a million to my guests this evening, Zanetta from Rustic Buwa, Claire from Second Street Bake Shop and Bart from Aron Bakery and Bistro. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.